This is Sean Kong. For all things Persian, listen to my good friend, Sharo, on the Persian Hour. Uh, Sharo, would you mind making me a martini? How would you like that, 007? Why, shaken, not stirred, of course. You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM, and this is Outspoken. You're back with your hot mess Sunday boys. We're back as well. That's We're right. Join you. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's another great Sunday. I will say it's warmer in the studio today than it is outside, which is a nice change. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Although it's not too warm outside finally. It was in the 90s for a while and um, Right, it's been cool enough. The yeah, rain yesterday was go. absolutely amazing. I know, right? Yeah. After all the fires. Yeah, and it is very hot. There's some weird the going on today. with you. You say, you're saying things before I'm saying them, and then I we're catching up. Know. All right, <clears throat> time to check in. What did we all do this week? Well, first of all, I want to check in and remind everybody. I keep getting texts about it. The challenge is still going on. <clears throat> so the health challenge we did one in the spring for the mm-hmm. 5K. Now we're doing the 12 weeks gym challenge, including your. Um, the dietary challenge, which is the yeah, h- yeah. honestly the hardest part for the me. The food plan is difficult. It is, especially on days yeah. when you didn't plan right. So I people are in danger because I'm so hungry. Right. And all yeah. you have to eat is like is a grape. A, yeah. So you have a that's cheese fine. stick. And yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. People at work know they close my office door. Yeah. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah. just leave them. Before Jonathan gets hangry. <laughs> Very hangry. Very so angry. that is still going on. You can still become a part of it. Anytime we do a challenge, you can be a part of it. Um, you just send us a your name and your your email address, which obviously will come through if you email us. Um, and we will send you over what the food plan is and kind of what the, the gym or working out at home, but just kind mm-hmm. of like what the schedule is. And you can stay with us. Sometimes it's helpful to have people you know, exactly. Work with you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. honestly, it's pretty transformative. Jonathan already has been losing a lot, a lot of weight and a lot of body fat percentage as well. Six now. Six, Six percent, percent. And that's a lot of work, but very exciting. And that's down from, I mean, when you ended in spring. I mean, we did the fun run, the not fun run, no, the, the 5K. 5K. Yeah, exactly. And you lost weight there and then yep. you continued to. So you're that's on a right. roll. So you're on a roll. I, because, you know, we're working yep. towards my big birthday, mm-hmm. which is in September. So by the time I get the big 4-0, I've done my 5K and I'm going to be like fierce. I mean, it's, there you go. it's yeah. scary. <laughs> so and then maybe when we go out in public, someone will ask me if you're my son because... Yeah. <laughs> People, that's how people die. I'm yeah, if you if you miss that story, go ahead and look us up yeah. on iTunes. Uh, I and keep check getting out last grief weeks. from from that, but I don't so. care. Hey, I'm gonna look good. I'm just gonna very young. I mean, I get the looks from someone, right? There, there you go. Works. We'll say that. Um, but please we'll say join us, listeners, at hotmesssunday.com. That is how you can join us for the challenge. We have people from Oregon, uh, people from Wenatchee. So anybody, we can stay in touch over Facebook or through email. It's all about supporting each other and being healthier so that we can all live a little longer. Exactly. So That's what we're all about. So we, a couple weeks ago, hosted the Tri-Cities Pride um, the Mid-Columbia Pride in right. Tri-Cities in Richmond. And we met a couple, actually, artists yeah. uh, who are phenomenal. And one of these fellow artists that we met, 
Jack Mosey uh, performed on the stage. He actually opened for them, and we thought, well, he's amazing. So, he really is. Uh, we're going to obviously bring him on the show, and uh, that's not happening today. It's coming in the near future, but we're going to be playing a couple of his songs uh, today. And also, stay tuned for more information because we want to bring him to a local venue yeah. for him to perform. And it's going to be in August, near the end of August, uh, just so this side of the state can get to know him. He's so just amazingly talented. Yeah, and he's actually from Seattle. He performed mm-hmm. in Tri-Cities, but he's he's big in Seattle. He performs weekly shows, and he mm-hmm. writes his own music. He's really, really talented. He is. We like talent. So, yeah, we're going to give you a little sneak peek. He'll be at the top of this hour, and he'll end our show. Before we get into some special guests who are in the studio that we've been talking about for months... Exactly. And we finally got them in. So we're really excited. And they're actually, we love guests who actually sit in the chairs and it's not just a voice in the clouds. And so we're very excited that they are in the studio today. They are in person. All right. So we're going to listen to Jack Mosey's song, Jump, and then we'll get on with our show. All right. So that was Jack Mosey with Jump. And he likes to talk in his songs, apparently, we realized <laughs> today. So Surprise. join us on that adventure next time as well. All right. We have in the studio uh, Frank Straub, who is the chief of the Spokane Police Department, and Tracy uh, Madel. <laughs> is that correct? No? no. I, I butched it up. All right. Well, she's a <laughs> lieutenant with the Spokane, uh, Spokane Police Department. And she oversees community, youth, and intervention services. You know what the first thing we start with is how do you say How do you name? say your last name? Meidel. 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 Okay. Typically, I am Got the it. one that messes everybody's name up, no matter even if it's you told true. me. So this is a feel-good day for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised because it is a Austrian name and... Being right? your background, I'm surprised I, you did not yeah. get it. Shame uh, on the Russian. Shame. I get double shame today. <laughs> I do. think <laughs> I deserve the worst. So go go negative comment me on World. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, right. Send that letter. We yeah, get it. We exactly. get it. Um, I do want to start with now. This conversation started, and everybody knows this conversation started like way back in February. February, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. Um, which was with an incident that happened at Boots Bakery. We reached out to the police department and said, "How can we get involved and do something that's proactive?" Um, because obviously, uh, people are throwing comments left and right, pro, con. We see it around the country with a bunch of other things. And we wanted to find a positive way to kind of take part in that conversation. Because if nothing else, all it, what it really showed us was something had to change. Didn't matter any of the he said, she said. Mm-hmm. Something just had to change. How could we get in there? So we've actually had a few meetings. And we talked a lot over the last few months about we were uh, helping out with YPI. Uh, youth Police Initiative. Yes. Nailed it. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and getting involved with the police department. But our, our, our other goal was to get you all in the studio and actually have that conversation. Um, so first of all, I guess we want to start with, was that like their sensitivity training? I know that's already been, that's happened at the police department. Um, at least one time, according to Blaine Stum at the Human Rights Commission downtown, uh, but when that happened, had that already happened, or was that uh, kind of an impetus for more change? When that incident happened, and I know the investigations went in and were finished out and everything, was that uh, wake up? Let's first of all start with Chief, please, over here. So the training actually had started and was accomplished almost a year, I think, before the incident. And every officer in the department went through uh, in service. And we had, I think, four members of the LGBTQ community who came in um, and did the training. It was about an hour and a half, two hours of training. And we had 
spent, I would say, a good three months um, working with that group mm-hmm. to figure out what we were going to train to um, with the officers. And I think generally the reaction to it was good. I mean, you're always going to have people that sit there with their arms crossed and their legs crossed and they either have to go to the bathroom or they're, right. they're upset, one right. or the other, right? Um, <clears throat> but I think overall it was it was very well received. And, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is really work through seeing people as people, right? So there's so much national conversation about police and um, the communities of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would argue that the LBGT community is a community of color, right? Obviously. Um, but, but we get so fixated on it's a Latino, it's a African American, it's whatever. I think what we really want to be talking to police about and what we're trying to do in all of our training is seeing through, and, and, and it goes to the YPI thing, people as people, seeing through the stereotypes, um, allowing people to see us without our uniforms, um, because one of the things that I say all the time is uh, that's just a costume to some degree. When I take it off, sure, I'm a person, right? right. Um, I have a 19-month-old, and she could care less whether I have a... You know, well, she likes the gold. It's really kind of fun <laughs> to, to play with. But absent that, when she wants her diaper changed, she wants mm-hmm. her diaper changed. Mm-hmm. When she wants to eat, she wants to eat. She doesn't care that I'm the chief of police. Right. Nor do my neighbors, and that's the way it should be. And we want to instill and inspire that same type of feeling in our police officers that... Don't look at somebody on their appearance level. Look beyond that and see the person underneath. Right. Exactly. Tracy? And that's one reason also that we're asking each officer to go through our youth and police initiative so that they can experience that one-on-one, that breakdown Mm -hmm. of stereotypes and barriers and to build relationships no matter who you're, you're dealing with in the community. Right. Now, we, Jonathan and I helped out and visited a couple of the youth uh, police initiative. Can you tell us more about the program and how it started and really what the goals are of YPI? We started the program actually January of 2014, and Chief Straub had brought the program into other agencies that he was the chief of. And so realizing that we needed that relationship building here in Spokane, We began that program, and we have since been involved with connecting close to now probably 150 youth to about 100 different police officers. Mm -hmm. And it is shown in, in creating relationships. What we do is we bring about 12 to 15 youth in a room with police officers, and we have real and sometimes raw conversation about what's going on in their world, and the police can talk about what's going on in their world, and it brings that human factor into it, which just automatically builds relationship and continues to build trust from the youth and the police in our community. Well, I have to say, you know, we were uh, we had visited in the, in the middle of one, and then when we did one up at Rogers High School, we were able to uh, be at a few of them, one being the first one, and then, of course, the bookend one. I will tell you, to witness the change in really atmosphere, um, it's, it's very palpable. It's very different to see the kids guarded the first day. You don't know. And then to see what was interesting was at graduation to see the interaction with the police department and the police force. And the, you know, I want you to sit at my table. And it was a complete 
relational change, which is very important for because they're the ones growing up. They're the ones coming out of these, maybe these communities that aren't, you know, that have more crime level, that aren't um, socioeconomic very high, so that tends to breed crime. So that's helpful there. What is it that you see? I know you've only done it since 2014, as you said, but uh, as you've seen, I'm sure, other programs like uh, Chief Straub you've had in other implemented. What changes have you seen over time when starting in the school and then the future as these kids get out as adults? Do you see a change? You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I actually started YPI in 2004 um, in a place called White Plains, New York, which is just north of New York City. And we started it because we had a series of youth-involved violent incidents, homicide, retaliation, retaliation for the retaliation. And so we needed to break that that cycle. And so we took... um, a group of officers who were doing really street-level, pretty hardcore enforcement, right? Their job was to go out and stop violent crime. Well, the very young people that they were interacting with were people that lived in, and it's an East Coast phenomena, in a um, public housing complex. So five buildings, um, high-story, you know, high-rise mm-hmm. buildings mm-hmm. with about 950 families living in there. Um, not a lot of air conditioning, pretty old buildings, um, so a lot of tension in, in those buildings, um, unfortunately, a lot of crime. And so that's where the violence started. That's where the homicide started. It carried over into our downtown, and that's where we had some retaliatory acts of violence. And so what we were able to do is identify the officers that were doing the hardcore enforcement and the young people that had been involved in the violence. And we brought the, that group together right off the bat. And um, a lot of people thought I was crazy, right, because it was either going to work or it was going to explode, and it was going to explode big time. Um, fortunately, uh, there was a God, and it worked. <laughs> so what we saw over time, and it was very interesting. So you were at the last um, celebration yeah. dinner, mm-hmm. right? So that's a, that's a consistent part of the program, anywhere that it's done. And so the first time we did it, we saw all these guys come in with their hoods up and it was clear who they were and all they did is come in and try to stare everybody down and tell them basically stay away from this program stay away from the cops well over time those very same people started in the program and actually asked to be in the program and it became cool to actually go through ypi um in in this very difficult uh community I was just in in Washington um, on Thursday and Friday, and we had a meeting of police chiefs and community members from across the country, and several cities now, um, besides Spokane and White Plains, are doing YPI and seeing success. And just, I don't want to monopolize all the airtime, but one quick story, and, and it kind of speaks to how things get screwed up. So, back to the housing project, and... We're in a YPI session, and one of the kids looks at an officer and said, how come every time you see me, you chase me? And the officer said, well, how come every time you see me, you run? Kind of an interesting phenomenon, mm-hmm. but a, but a yeah. true phenomenon, yeah. right? So I said to the young man, why do you run every time you see the officer? And he said, well, because my parents told me that the police are going to tune you up, beat you up, whatever, treat you poorly, so run when you see him." And 
their parents, his grandparents, had told his parents the exact same thing. So for generations, the communication to the young people was, you see the popo, you run like hell. Well, the police were doing exactly the same thing. Every field training officer was saying to the new recruit, when somebody runs in the housing project, they did something wrong, so chase them. Well, for generations, literally, kids were running from the police and police were chasing them, and sometimes for no other reason than somebody was running. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when they stopped and had a conversation... It was like, oh, I'm just running because you're the police, and you're, I'm just chasing you because you're a kid, mm-hmm. right? And it broke. It literally broke that dynamic in the housing project. And think about what could possibly go wrong when somebody's running and somebody's chasing him and somebody has a gun and somebody trips or whatever the case sure, may be, sure. right? There's just that propensity um, to have something bad occur. right? And if you could stop that. And just get people to sit and talk. Why do you do this? This is the reaction Mm -hmm. it causes. And I think hopefully you saw some of that with YPI here. That breaking that that non-conversation, breaking reactions without any explanation and allowing people to sit and have real conversations with each other. And like Tracy said, sometimes those conversations are really raw. Right, right. But they have to be had. Sure. And there there were actually, there have been a couple stories in Spokane of, of the change that we have seen from YPI. Last summer, there was a huge party in one of our parks at night, and the police were called. And when the police showed up, the huge crowd just dispersed, running in all different directions. And there was one person that stayed in the park, and the officer approached the person and said, well, everybody else ran. Why didn't you? And it was a female, and she said, well... I went to one of your youth and police initiative sessions and I learned that if I didn't do anything wrong, I didn't have to run. Nice. And so it was a a great point of change that we saw in our community. And then on the flip side, a a change in one of our officers, we've had an officer that has just downright not wanted to attend a YPI session and did not want to go. But our last session that you were so helpful in organizing she came to that session and created such a bond with one of the youth attendees that she actually purchased a musical instrument for this girl, which, be which was so story touching. Ever. Yes. Yeah, we actually wow. shared it on our show. Oh, good. Because um, it's just beautiful. It was a beautiful moment, and it was, yeah, and I, I stay in touch with that youth, and uh, I know that that still impacts her in such a way. My question would be then, in the LGBT community, there's, uh, I think, the T part of our community um, they still aren't sure. There's still conversations going on there. How do you take the great works going on with the youth, and how do you take that bridge into our adult community in the LGBT community? What are things being done there to also bridge that and kind of heal that wound? I have actually had uh, conversations with the victim from that yes, specific incident. Mm-hmm. Sure, <clears throat> and. I think that is a great piece that just needs to happen just to create, again, we're talking that relationship piece and treating her and just letting her know that we really respect her as a person and we care about what happens to her. Mm -hmm. And I think we've bonded since then. And I think that there might be a different turnout should the incident ever 
re- you know, replicate itself. Right. Sure. Well, I mean, you mentioned that there was a sensitive sensitivity training a year prior to the incident. Is there one ongoing right now, or are there plans for a further incident? Because a lot of the people in the community are saying, well, one's just not enough, and maybe some people got left out or new recruits. And is there a reoccurring plan for that? Well, the chief actually has Mm -hmm. designated that we have a a training cadre put together to address training issues and what's needed. And it's been recognized already that – our training pieces are really building blocks and we have to build on the basic training and including the new recruits as they come onto the department. So what we are doing now is we are creating a training piece that builds on what all the officers had learned in that initial training. Nice. Nice. And I think, I think anything like this, obviously if you look around the country, it's crazy. The ebb and flow and the still still not healing from either Baltimore or Ferguson or any of those things, that is obviously a conversation that is just that, a conversation. It doesn't get fixed in a month. It doesn't get fixed in one program. That it's something that has to be continued on with efforts on both sides to be kept talking about. Do you think, um, and Chief Straub, I'll ask you, do you think in, in communities right now, like uh, Ferguson, which, you know, has had a, some time since and in more frequent or more recently uh, uh, Baltimore. Do you think when do you start these programs or how it's such a sensitive area right now? How do you think you even begin a healing between these two cultures, really? You know what I mean? And that's hard enough when you're, you're speaking two different languages. What, how do we move forward in communities like that that need that healing? But it's so... It's a a hot bed right now. You just have to jump in with both feet. You can't you can't run away from it. And one of the things that I talked about when I was in D.C. last week was when these critical incidents happen. I think the Spokane Police Department, and you know, it, it is the reality. We got ourselves in trouble after the Otto Zem case because nobody owned it. And it was up to the leadership of the department at the time to own it, to say, look, we, regardless whether we were right or wrong, we took a human life. It's on us. And then be open to having that conversation, that dialogue, which is going to be very raw, which is going to be extremely difficult, which is going to be painful, but it is critical. It is mm-hmm. the most important thing that we can do at, the, at that time. So in places like Ferguson, in places like Baltimore, the onus is on the police. And the police have to open themselves up, and they have to walk into those very difficult conversations in those troubled communities and say, let's talk. I think part of the thing that we also have to recognize is that this isn't just a police issue, right? That there is, and I'm very familiar with Baltimore, there's abject poverty in West Baltimore. Drug dealing and violence proliferates in that community because there's nothing else. There's rows and streets and blocks of houses that some are boarded up, that are rat infested, that there's single parent families, if there's even a single parent family. Um, And unless we deal with some of those social issues and figure out how do we relieve some of the, the pain and some of the pressure on those communities, 
what we're going to continue to have is the police trying to reduce violence, trying to reduce tension, but really at the end of the day, we're ill-equipped to do it because we can't bring all these other things to the table. We can't give people jobs. We can help them, and you know, we're doing that here. We can help people get connected to services to deal with drug and alcohol addiction. We can get people connected to parenting classes, but at the end of the day, we're the police, right? And, and our primary job is still to enforce the law and protect communities. And so I, I think one of the things that's going on that's really encouraging here in Spokane is a real good look by a group of people um, at the county level, the city level, at the whole criminal justice system, saying, what do we need to do differently? What can we do better? How do we keep people out of incarceration, which Mm -hmm. is huge, right? Um, How do we keep families intact, even if they're challenged families? And so I think there's a good model. It's been recognized nationally. Um, We're actually competing with 19 other cities um, from across the country to get a uh, grant from the MacArthur Foundation, we'll know in January. Um, but but in many ways, Spokane is kind of leading the charge. But I think at the end of the day, it's those conversations. And so one of the things that I would throw out, and Tracy and I have talked about it, is doing an a, adult version of YPI. And, you know, if there is concern in the transgender community um, in particular, why don't we try a YPI with the transgender community? And let's have those conversations sure. and see what Community happens. specific, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. And some of the things that we that we have done, it's really putting yourself out to have conversation in those communities. So for the first time ever, the Spokane mm-hmm. Police Department was vo- involved in participating in the Pride Parade. Not yeah. just having a booth, but the right. chief and I walked in the Pride Parade. The chief brought his family, and I think that alone sends a... A message of we are there to support you. Sure, exactly. And I mean, I have to, I have to say that I love the idea of bringing that type of program into um, the adult community, into that because I feel like that's the. Because I'll tell you, so we just got a listener comment, and there's a very sensitive community, and this question for me kind of says that it still is. It's someone from the trans community saying, "I just heard him say troubled communities. What does he mean by troubled communities?" I know the answer. Do, do you mind speaking to that and say what you mean by sure. that? Sure. What I, what I was talking about is not the LGBTQ community. What mm-hmm. I was talking about is places like Baltimore mm-hmm. where you have poverty, you have people that aren't connected to education, that have one or both of their parents incarcerated. That's, there, a, tr- that's a troubled community. There are social sure. challenges sure. within just built within their innate community well, right now. Right, And, and exactly. that's in every community. And the LGBT community does have higher rates of homelessness and yeah. unemployment. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, underst- I understand what that question is. Yeah, but I love when listeners from, ask. Yes. I mean, then yeah, we can no, have that absolutely. conversation. One of the things I uh, – before that, though, is that I, I like this interaction beyond – the youth is such a key puzzle piece in my viewpoint – but it's, that's exactly what it is, is a puzzle piece, especially when a lot of these comments we get or a lot of these conversations we have are with the older uh, people above, you know, within the college and above ages. And so I, I like the idea that there can be something within that, that community. One of the things I want to say that, so we, uh, Sergey and I both started, we were in YPI. It was an amazing experience. Um, I, I definitely cherish 
what we got out of it. And one of the things we noticed is Sergey and I are very different. We come from two different generations. We come from two different viewpoints, mm-hmm. really. I've had a bad experience in my past with the police department. It was with the Seattle Police Department. But I'm smart enough to know I need to, I need to go with, you know, things change. So I can't be caught in that bitterness. And what I, but what I noticed is, first of all, met some amazing police officers. Uh, what they were were amazing human beings. They were there to, to grow, to learn, and to connect. And that – so I told Sergey, I'm more likely, though, in my – jaded viewpoint to go there are good people on the police force i'm not yet willing to say all people because we're all people we all come with our own filters we all come with our own prejudices whether we want them or not they're all back there and unless we're vigilant in the way we decipher information coming towards us and we keep that side out it's going to be hard to overcome so that i think is the is the horrible healing that even in my own self has to be done. What I love about those YPIs is they are open. So I had some amazing conversations, I wanted you to know, with police officers on breaks, that we're just, you know, kids need their little 10-minute break. Amazing conversations that weren't in that circle where it needed to be about, all about, it got to be real in those moments. And what I learned was there were some there were some learning moments, we'll say that, with some people that I had come to actually appreciate, but the stereotypes were still there in their voice. So they were saying, I was just shocked because, boy, those LGBT kids sure are, you know, flamboyant and loud. Okay, funny, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I am. But those are the things that we have to get out. But the only way to get those out of our, our own people and our own police force is to continue this conversation. So what it told me was... There are still good people here, and everybody here is a good person, but there's still work to be done. So what we wanted was to make sure that work just is continued conversation and that it's a positive environment to do it. But I wanted to share that feedback with y'all, that it's that was amazing. But definitely there were these interesting side conversations where I'm like, oh, oh, th- no. <laughs> but they were the there. Effort, the effort is they definitely were there. there. They yeah. showed up. Yeah. They yeah. did their piece. Yeah. You know? And I mean, the conversation's being had, which is not the case. I mean, 20 years ago, the conversation was not being had. So no. it's, it's definitely. And honestly, thank God Spokane yeah. really yeah. is a bit more progressive. And mm-hmm. we haven't been hit with some of the horrible tragedies that are going out in the police department. As you move forward and you meet, do you find the, I guess, the attitude towards the police force changing a bit? maybe lightening up a bit or are we still in that turmoil of trust what do you think i think it's getting better Uh, you know when i run into an officer Mm -hmm. and she or he says to me oh the community is really being nice to me i take that as a good sign but i always follow it up with maybe it's because you've also changed your relationship with the community right and look 2006 it was a horrible incident and it just continued way too long. And it really came to define the police department. And because of what was going on, the officers could never really get out of this very destructive relationship that got mm-hmm. caused. I think now we're moving out of it. And I think people are starting to see that we have tremendous people. And, and I say this wherever I, I speak. The thing that defines the Spokane Police Department is that we hire fundamentally good people and then they become police officers. And I think that's really essential. Does that mean, and and I think you're 100% right, that we don't get sideways sometimes, that we don't screw things up, that we don't use the right language, that, yeah, 
that's reality. And people do that to us. It's everybody kind of pausing and taking a deep breath. And, and I think like your listener, right, right, who sent the text and said, what did the chief really mean? That's what we have to do more of. What did you mean when you said that to me? Yeah. This mm-hmm. is how it affected me. That gives you the opportunity to move forward. And right. I think we're starting to see more and more of that openness within Absolutely. the police department. I don't. I agree. I think we, we have seen some positive change. And as everything, it's a process. Mm-hmm. But I think we are becoming really good now at presenting what we are doing good and presenting just even the outreach that we are doing within the community. And because officers are involved in that outreach, they take pride and ownership of it, which then just brings it back around to create that change in the, in the positive feelings throughout the community. And really quick, I just want to say, if you have just joined the conversation, you are listening to Outspoken on KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1, 92.3 FM. We're going to keep uh, these guests on for a little while. This is, I think, a needed conversation and uh, an interesting one. But before we do that, we do want to say thank you to the people who support us. Uh, in the studio today. Outspoken receives support from Nine Bar and Bistro, featuring a full bar, food menu, and trivia on Thursday nights. Located at 232 West Sprague Avenue, more information is available at 509-747-1621. Outspoken is also funded in part by the Pride Foundation. For more information, please visit pridefoundation.org. And I wanted to ask you, Tracy, um, so tell me, so what is, and you would be bombarded, I'm sure, if, and you might have already, but let's say, who is the liaison? Who is the person people go, I, let's say this listener is like, instead of staying in that, assuming you have the answer and maybe it's negative, um, I'm going to ask someone. You know what I mean? Is there someone at the police department? Is there that person? They go, I'm just going to email them and say, this is what I heard. What do you, can I get an answer? Yes, that would be me. That's what I thought. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're correct. Perfect. And how do they go about doing that? My email address is T-M-E-I-D-L at SpokanePolice.org. And I think that is, a first of all, just amazing. I don't think a lot of people understand that there's resources like that, that if you have a question, maybe the first thing should be is reach out for an answer um, and have that conversation. I understand on you, Chief Straw, brought up a good point that I wanted to make sure. Sergey and I talk a lot about... Um, media and how we try to be a little different than most media, which is it's all about personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. That is. there's always three sides to every story, and it's time that every side owns theirs. And you're saying how the police department's own needed to own this one part. The same thing is you're right in saying this conversation that we want to be having and this community that we want to be building trust in takes more than just the police department coming in. It takes the effort on the other side as well, to have that same conversation. And I think sometimes in lots of parts of life, we forget that. And so I think that's an important thing to important part to raise. Absolutely. And I want to just bounce off of that and ask both of you, what do you think could be something that could be improved or done better in the community and in the police department um, to improve relationships or to improve, uh, you know, how we treat each other? Boy. I'm just putting you right on the spot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, there's always oh, yeah, room yeah. for improvement. And I think on the police department side, just being open to change as humans, but really I say it more so police officers are very structured in their way. Sure. And so the change is sometimes uh, a four-letter word. So just being open to that change. 
And then I guess the same would be true with the community. We would expect them to be open to see the change that we are doing and to promote that change and to share it. I think if we can start viewing the community, not just the LGBT community, but the overall community as a teamwork, Mm -hmm. uh, something coming together to try. We're trying to have everybody wants a nice place to live. And it's it is a time to kind of come together and figure out how to do that. I think it changes a lot of things when you come at it from that aspect. Um, I do want to say to you both, if always, if we can be of any help, one of the things I was thinking since we had a lot of comments uh, over the last couple of weeks from the trans community, you know, we're more than happy to get you involved or at least you in touch with there's a lot of trans support groups. And that could be a nice way to reach out and say, let's figure out mm-hmm. why this conversation is happening in your your group. But I love that y'all are willing, my Southern's coming up, that y'all are willing to have, to take it beyond the needed YPI programs and get into the community itself because I think those conversations is what we do the whole show for. In my, I'm watching our producer as he's creepily sneaking he's about. He's creepily sneaking about. But any last things you would say to, to let's say, directed to the listener who had, who had the question that obviously is coming from a place of a wound, of not being healed. What would you say to that person uh, just on a one-on-one basis? One on, one, on one basis, obviously, I would say I'm sorry if somebody in the police profession um, did something that, that caused this pain um, or this injury to the person. Um, but, you know, just like folks can reach out to Tracy, they can also reach out to me. Um, it's F. Straub, S-T-R-A-U-B at SpokanePolice.org. Um, we will make sure um, that we connect, and we can do that on the phone. We can do it in person. Uh, we can meet for a cup of coffee and figure out what's going on and what we can do better or differently. Um, but just like I'm encouraging my police officers to take risk, um, to do things differently, we also have to encourage all segments of our community to do the same. Take risks. If you see a police officer, walk up and say hello and if they bite you, they bite you. If they don't, then that's great because now you can start a dialogue. And we're encouraging our officers to do the same thing, that get out of your police car. Go talk to people. They're not going to bite you. They're not going to hurt you. We can always figure it out. And so we need to have that dialogue. The other thing, and I would ask as a favor to, to all of you, is if, God forbid, we have another incident, um, we will come immediately um, and, and be on your show so that people can call in, they can text, they can answer these questions, um, and if they want to have anonymity, they can do that. But as I said way back when um, in the show, we want to engage and we realize we have to ga- engage quickly. So don't let things fester. Sure. Um, whether we come on your show or whether you just make the connection for us, we'll do there. We'll, we'll be there, we'll do it. We'll have the difficult conversations. Um, festering doesn't help anybody. Right. We've talked many times on this show about uncomfortable conversations. They must be the had. only way we make it. I have to say um, lots of props to you, Tracy, and to Jennifer. Um, those programs, they're, I mean, and not to sound like I'm trying to be, oh, everything's rosy. I, they are amazing. And they truly do touch these kids in ways we could never imagine. So, I mean, props for for y'all organizing it and going. And uh, props to you, sir, for bringing that kind of action to Spokane. I think communities need that. So I noticed that. And so props where props are due. Yeah. 
And Spokane needs that. Let's be honest. Yes. Spokane yes. needs that. All right. So we are going to take a really quick song break. Uh, and we're going to listen to T-Shirt Weather. And then we'll come back with The Dish. So thank you both for coming in today. Thank you for thank having you us. Thanks for talking. In the background, we are on air, Jonathan and Kurt. <laughs> I love All that right. you're reprimanding me. I know. I have, to, I have to call them out on air. All right. You are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Um, and you are back with your hot mess Sunday, and clearly hot. you are messy, less hot, more messy, Jonathan. Hey, don't look at me. Look at Kurt. I know, Kurt. All right, get out of here, both of you. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. So in just a few minutes, we will be uh, welcoming two of our state representatives, one from our side of the city, one side of the state, really, yes. and one from the other side, um, who have a nice and interesting connection, and uh, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot of fun. But before that, we're just going to chit-chat a little bit. So um, we had just talked to uh, Chief of Police Frank Straub and then, of course, Officer Tracy Meidel, who was in the, in the, uh, the station in the studio talking about the sensitivity within the community, especially when it comes to the trans community in Spokane. After incidents like what happened at Boots Bakery in downtown Spokane back in February, we started a conversation with them back then to see what can happen with sensitivity training. We also, the comment that we got from Blaine Slum, who is uh, heading up the Spokane Human Rights Commission, was saying that he was very thankful to the chief of police for allowing a training, a sensitivity training within the police force. But he did feel like one was not enough, and he was hoping the invitation would be extended for more. So we had some good conversation about what does the police department plan to do to continue building a relationship within the LGBT community and within the police force. And um, I think they have some good things in their mind um, now we just have to make sure that they get implemented. Absolutely. I would I would agree with that. Um, I think that the police has definitely taken uh, a lot of steps to make sure that the community is served correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are always things that can be done uh, to a more perfect degree, but mm-hmm. if, at least they're taking the steps. They are doing the YPIs, which, right. I mean, as we said, are tremendously amazing. What I do have to give props to is every time that I've heard Chief uh, Straub speak, he tries, at least in a speech, and I and so I have to assume it's him as well, um, mm-hmm. he has always been very uh, transparent and always willing to have that uncomfortable statement where he admits that they're all the police forces are human beings, and they have messed up in the past, and they are trying to own that. But what he wants to do is move them f- further into the future. And I think that's right. the, only, the only correct way to start uh, is with that kind of attitude. And he has always proven to have that kind of uh, mindset when it comes to that. So I have to give it credit there. I do, I'm interested in checking in with that listener, um, finding out the, the, let's be honest, what, what that take on it is, because it can change, yeah, right. obviously. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. The, we all have our different filters, and it would be interesting to find that out. So props to them, though, and love that they have worked with us for quite a few months now. And, and they keep uh, working with us, and, and they continue. keep reaching out and saying, look, we want to do more. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Exactly. All right. So I just want to bring up a little thing. We are going to be heading into election season here pretty soon. I mean, mm. August is going to be the primaries, and then it's full swing uh, to the general. Yeah, so let's let's just talk about a little detail. Mayor David Mayor Condon, currently David Mayor. Mayor? David Mayor. Mayor Condon. David Condon. <laughs> David Mayor. You know the new the new position, David Mayor. <laughs> yeah. Um, Currently, uh, Mayor of Spokane, Washington, has raised more 
uh, money for his campaign than anyone else in the state of Washington for a local election. Yeah, That's anyone huge. Anyone else. Anyone. He's raised over $300,000. And, of course, um, the Inlander uh, did this story just this past week. That's a lot of money, especially mm-hmm. when you look at Mary Con- Mayor Condon's, what he's earned. And then you look at his, the, the closest opponent, really, which is Charlotte Right. And she has only raised over $8,000. Yes, we want to believe that money has no part of an election. But the fact is, currently, yes, it does. It does. And and you can be grassroots. But to be honest, I love I love what Charlotte T represents. But I, do I have not seen enough coming from Char, uh, you know, to show that she can be a strong opposition to mm-hmm. Mayor Condon. So that's that's really where we're standing right now. I mean, you don't you don't want to believe that government is all about big money, but right now it's well, you know a third of a million versus just under ten thousand right. dollars. Well, and you have to admit mm-hmm. that money offers a lot of first of all, you can get in front yeah. of a lot more people with three hundred thousand than you can with eight. Well, and I think that three hundred thousand plus. Uh, being currently the mayor kind of gives him an advantage. Although in Spokane, we all know that you kind of you know don't reelect mayors here. But we if don't, but if there is a chance, I'm going to tell you. I I'm, think I'm just, I'm he just has a shot at being the first one in a few decades to mm-hmm. be reelected to office. And whether that's the money, well, we have spoken to or attempted to speak to the mayor on a few occasions, and what we have been told, I mean, he doesn't feel you know he won't grant Charlotte um currently a debate and it's because he feels safe in his, and he and he has said listen i'm going to get reelected i have all faith in the world i'm getting reelected sure, yeah. and shar right now just represents a, an annoyance i think to him mm-hmm. we've talked to shar on many occasions um but i think you're right i don't see i don't see enough of charlotte out there right. i don't i don't see enough public speaking on her part for her to start being enough of a player in the election to start having that conversation between the two of them, which is really what you want. You want to see your candidates side by side so you get a good idea of where they both stand and where you kind of fall in that interim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, as we tell you on this show, you need to be an educated voter. You need to go out and find out. Exactly. But you have the responsibility. Yep. Yes, you do have the responsibility. But honestly, all the voter, uh, all of the studies being shown, we understand that most voters vote on name recognition alone, which is horrible. Um, so if you're not going to go out, then can we at least get, can they get some sort of debate where it can be a public thing? I think I'm, I'm there. I'm mm-hmm. calling you out. Mm-hmm. Charlotte D needs to step up more. I know she's working hard, but hey, when your, when your current sitting mayor has th- over three hundred thousand dollars. Unfortunately, you don't get a day off no, or no, you more than yeah. an hour sleep if that's yeah. what you want. And honestly, coming coming up to the primaries, you really you really have to start stepping it up now. This is this is when the game gets real. So I really hope to see this is when the game gets real. Let's game do gets that real. song. I'm sure there's a song <laughs> out there. Yeah, there probably is. <laughs> Love to see more from her. All right, so we're going to play uh, a song here real quick. It's called "True Affection" by The Blow, and then we will be back with. Uh, our our representative Marcus Rasili, as well as Brady Walkinshaw from over in Seattle in the studio. I feel like, first yeah. of all, thank you for that. We love it when people come in. Yeah, that makes us very. It, happy. <laughs> I mean, really I'm does. not saying anything to Representative Walkinshaw or nothing, but okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> he could have flown in. Let's be honest. All right, here it is. 
We are back with KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is your Hot Mess Sunday with the Outspoken Boys. It is. I want to say that I just remembered. This is going to take some time to get used to. I just remembered we're on Periscope. So if you have the app Periscope, you can watch what's happening in the studio live. Live stream. Even in between the breaks as you see us running around like crazy people. See, (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You got a little treat from our guest. Marcus Richilli. Richilli. Oh, I just want to say Let me me tell you. Nailed it. Let me tell you. Like five times I have heard it Uh, pronounced Richilli. I know. Every time I see in public, they always say it. And I was informed by Marcus himself today that it's Richilli. Here's the thing. You have to have have the hand The hand. hand, We all know that I butcher everybody's name, and it's part of my thing. It's It's just my brand. You've cursed me today. So all I have to say is for once in my Two years of doing this radio show, I got it right. You said no, but I, I just yeah. want to say uh, <laughs> one for me. One. All right, one for you. Eighteen thousand for you. I but one. For I me. S- I still stand behind my eighteen thousand. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is this is real competition. From here. now until the end of time, I will always just have a Marcus Richelli card. I'm gonna play it every time. Okay. Every single yeah. time you're gonna play it. See, sir, you have no idea what you've walked into. I just want you to know. <laughs> we are a hot mess. So, actually, this is Sergey and I. We're waiting for Se- uh, not a representative over from hey. the forty third district. Maybe you're psychic. In Maybe Seattle. soon senator. We don't hey. know. I don't know. But I don't Brady Walkinshaw. Yeah, I don't know. And what I'm interested, and we might as well we'll let you be here until he shows up, so you have a mic and everything. Um, what I'm very interested in, in two sides of the state are represented today. <laughs> two very different sides of the state, um, with some big wins. For Spokane, that of course the Inlander uh, reported on right away when those things happened. But um, I'm interested in that aspect, so I'm fascinated. Not to mention that we said politics makes strange roommates, and we're going to find out what that means today. So, are we going to hear lots of good stories? There's a there's a few good stories. We're going to talk about the res- red stove party. We're going to talk about oh, nice. iPods. I was kind of the uh, the elder in the group with our two roommate, roommates, uh, even though I got this baby face. I'm the, the 30, 37 year old uh, married with kids, but my iPod rocks some serious 80s, so nice. Um, it gets fun. And, you know, I'm a, pretty much a bad beer drinker, but those guys got me to drink some boxed wine occasionally. So that's oh. a little. Yeah, I know. We're going we're gonna to get wow. on Brady for that. We, yeah. He's a classy guy, but he goes straight to the boxed wine. Right. Oh, I, I'm, I am calling wow. him out that, because that hurts you're gonna me have on to. so many levels. You're going to have to. I mean, the least you can do, like we used to do back in my college days, is you take the 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 package out of the box and you just put it in an old bottle of wine. Yeah. No one needs to know <laughs> that it was boxed wine. That you have is to go brilliant. Because let's talk about you know classy dreams on a college budget. It's that yeah, and Top Ramen. Those were my two key. <laughs> you be go-to. careful with that Top Ramen though. I just saw a whole report about what that does to your inside. It will so kill you. Oh, yeah. Careful. Uh-uh. I love the Top Ramen too. And then I I, I watched well, that report. And this I was is scared. my favorite yeah. thing. If you turn yeah. the package around on Top Ramen and you're looking at calories, you're thinking one package is a serving. Let me tell tell you no 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 it's not they lie to you that's how they'll get you Mm -hmm. and i'm so that's like a 900 calorie so you're telling me the two packets of ramen that i ate frequently was for four people yes yeah exactly yeah 1800 (laughs) calories apparently you can you can serve your whole family without one packet it's it's uh (laughs) and i want to know what third world country that is for (laughs) plus have you seen america we don't we don't oh yeah that's there's a reason i'm in the gym every day of the week yeah, because, I mean, it takes a whole lot of work to look this good, is all I'm saying. <laughs> vitamins, there's a, there's a vitamins and top on. ramen. you got to make yeah, sure you, you get the vitamins. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> Call that good, you know. Exactly. Hey, that's how you do it. Well, this has been, so the first hour, very serious conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and guess that this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> you know what? It sounds like we're going to get a lot of good stories. 
We will, but you know, I, I yeah. was interested. I came in uh, uh, yeah. to the discussion on the mayor's race and yes. campaign finance yes. and mm-hmm. and um, and money, and and I think it's an issue we need to tackle nationally. Um, but the bottom line is, uh, you know, the mayor has outraised everybody in this, everybody in this whole state. Exactly, and he yeah. started raising money. You know like they do in Congress and swing seats, you know, two days after he was elected. And uh, so uh, Shar has a, an uphill battle. But she does. You know, I'm, I'm really pleased, though, that we have at least somebody stepping up. It'd be really unfortunate not to at least have um, contested elections. And, in fact, you know, when uh, when I was up for re-election and the same person that I – one of the – that I uh, faced in my general election the first time around ran again. I called him. I said, great, you know, like this is civics. We need to give people options. We need to have healthy mm-hmm. debate. And when people don't step out, you don't have the discussion, the yeah. dialogue, and, yeah. and figure out exactly where people stand. Exactly. So. And, you know, for we've had Char Lichty on the show. And we have to say, you know, we like a lot of what she has to say. And we're only hard on people because we want to see our politicians be better than they are. And with you were, if you listen to our show back when Michelangelo Sr. really was on, one of the things he said was, even if you love who's running, it is your responsibility to step up and say, these are what I, I want to tell you what I'm looking for because it's the only way – we get what we're looking, mm-hmm. what what our goals are as people are. But you have to interact with your officials. You have to. Absolutely. Definitely. And we're, you know, uh, at least at the state level, I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but I think for, for a lot of folks around here, we're accessible. I mean, here, mm-hmm. my cell phone is 509-879-7805. My wife doesn't appreciate it that I give it out so frequently, <laughs> but I don't care when I go to town halls. Yep. We want to be accessible. That's what we signed up for. And you'd be surprised how few people actually take us up on that. Ask me to coffee. I'm going to go. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what that too. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what uh, Chief Frank Straub was just saying is, listen, I will make time. Right. If you reach out, it's the only way I know. Right. That you want to. Well, the thing is, elected officials are public officials. So they're 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 there for you. They're not just there, you know, to to do a job that they really want to do. Although that is also true. They're there to represent you. And that's really what your title is, or as a representative. True. You know, I actually, oh, I wow. enjoy it. I say that I have uh, 137,226 bosses, depending on the, what's going on at Deaconess <laughs> or Sacred uh, yeah. Heart that yeah. day. And, and, exactly. and uh, it's not just folks who are over 18 or, or mm-hmm. whatnot. It's everybody in, in that right. district. Exactly. And I, I really believe in civics. I've been engaged in the um, the YMCA Youth Legislature Program, which uh, somebody else who I know has been uh, on KYRS a lot. Paul Dillon, he has his sh- uh, show with Bart there. Um, he is running that program now. It's about getting folks engaged. And um, But, you know, we talked about July 4th and we're blowing right, off right. fireworks and yeah. all that stuff. But you know what it really is? is like volunteerism, civics, and what is the yeah. public life? It goes back to basic philosophy, Socrates and all that stuff. What is the civic? What is sure, the public sure. life? And we need to bring that back. And I'm you're not supposed to talk politics or religion at the dinner table. Guess what? That's what I love to talk, and I hope we can bring it back to the dinner table. Exactly. We are in trouble for that a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we don't mind at all. But it's it's fascinating. First of all, Siri and I were lucky enough uh, to be invited to Capitol Hill in January. Yes, yeah. And for... to fly over and, and get to have those meetings where you schedule them, mm-hmm. and then you show up and you sit across the table. Given because of where we live— it's, it's the people, but yeah. it doesn't help if we're meeting the people that we totally agree with. So exactly. we get to meet with the others. But what was fascinating is to understand that that is your right, mm-hmm. right. as a citizen, mm-hmm. that you can actually go and have yourself at least heard. Well, and you know, I'll I'll tell you right now because when I went there, I'm in I'm in the seventh district, which is I mean that extends all the way out to Omac and Colville. That's pretty pretty, you know. 
We got Republican. plenty of space in the third. Come on and move in. Right, right. right, right. I, oh, I'd love to. I'd right? love to. Um, it's very red. Very yeah, red. Very yeah, exactly. Red where I am. I but understand. some of the people that I met with from my districts, uh, this was for AIDS Action and Awareness Day. They were actually very receptive to. Um, you know, talk about AIDS and awareness for HIV yeah. and uh, Hep C, which we were talking about, because many people are affected by uh, diseases like that, whether they are Democrat, Republican, yeah. religious, it not. It doesn't matter. Exactly. And so the conversations were still open um, as far as the budgeting goes, maybe not so much, but um, at least the conversation was there. So. Yeah, no, I and and I, I think uh, one of the best educations I had when I went in uh, D.C. Uh, and lived there for a while was I one of my roommates speaking because we're kind of yeah, right, yeah, yeah. There we go. One of my roommates worked for the most conservative uh, senator in the U.S. Senate, but you know what? We argued a lot, but we had that dialogue, and and uh, as long as we can keep that that discussion open, and and what I we're kind of moving towards team sports here in, in this country, which I hate, where it's, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, yeah, shut absolutely. down, and it's, it's really unfortunate. And so whatever we can do to kind of bring the dialogue back and make sure that um, you can learn a lot, you know. Yeah. I'm either going to yeah. either be more grounded in my own opinions when I have discussions with people I disagree with, or I'm going to learn something. And, and uh, I actually think that we need to challenge ourselves quite a bit more to have those discussions. Yeah. And we've had this talk many times. Sergey wrote an article about it not that long ago, which is we have forgotten the art of that conversation. We, mm-hmm. we are entrenched in both our sides, and it was a fear for a lot of us, of course, when we saw uh, heading to June 30th, I think, was the big day of, are we going to have a shutdown in our state government, like we've already experienced, of course, in the past and national. And so that was a, are we going to learn, but you guys pulled it out, yeah. you know, in the final hours, but hey, I'd rather have it pulled out in the final hours than worse, there we are, you right. know, over the cliff. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, I represent the second poorest district in the state, and there was a lot of people that would be hurt by a shutdown, whether it be social services, whether it be furloughs for state government, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was important. I'd love to see the Dalaga move uh, forward quicker. Do I think that we should have the longest session uh, in Washington State legislative history? No. Do I, do I <laughs> yeah. love my wife and two kids dearly, and is it, is it a struggle? Yes, but... But we got there. I think we did an okay job with the bipartisan budget. Um, and this is divided government, and I think we, we did a good job. And I, I look forward to maybe chatting a little bit about some of the wins that yeah, came out. But, exactly. but I wish we would have done more. Look, it, I'm uh, a supporter of revenue um, to make sure we can move forward. I think we should have done a capital gains tax on the 30,000 wealthiest individuals in our state to make sure they're paying fair share. That was pulled off the table. So we came out with $400 million in new revenue, making sure we were corp- uh, closing right. – corporate tax loopholes that are um, outdated, archaic, right. and not bringing revenue in their state. Do you think we're going to continue, I mean, as long as we're on politics, do you think it's going to get worse? It seems like, obviously, on the national level, we can't seem to get it together and talk to each other from a Republican-Democrat point of view. We don't want to. Um, and it seems to get harder all the time. Do you think, uh, with what just happened here, and we pulled it out, but do you think it's going to get worse? Are we Are we heading down that road? And if if so, how do we turn that around? Uh, we turned it around by what you guys were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. um, campaign finance reform, yeah. uh, I, I believe. And look, I'm not going to be apologetic. I raised $180,000, I think, for my first campaign. Uh, but I think that um, we need to look at reforming that. I think Citizens United was one of the uh, worst things that could Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. And uh, I think yep. that that's where we start. And I do. And mm-hmm. it's not a Democrat issue. I've been on panels with Democrats, Republicans, and Libertarians who all say – 
we need to change the system. So I really hope that actually the move to amend the Constitution is real and people can get behind it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a decade-long process. But look at look at what just happened um, for civil rights. And mm-hmm. I know we can oh, talk yeah. about the bill. Yeah. That was that, – Absolutely. You, you know, it seems like it took too long. But really, you know, I mean, look at just the positions. And I'm not uh, trashing some folks who I support, but look at their positions. Look at – Barack Obama, look at Hillary Clinton. Now their positions changed just in a decade. Um, And so. Well, and if you look at the timeline with big uh, social Supreme Court um, issues that have been, the timeline has gotten shorter, honestly, on how much work it takes to make huge social change. And ours, in the end, the LGBT community, it was it was the shortest. Way quick, way quick. But and the point is, yeah, it might take a decade to do these uh, Mm -hmm. finance reforms. But if you don't start now, it's going to still be a decade when you start five years from now. So shouldn't we start sooner? And I, I believe in the grassroots, and I think that's where we get back. And people can question that, but um, I was, you know, before I was elected, I was a, a staffer. I worked for a U.S. senator. I worked for mm-hmm. Senate Majority Leader Lisa Brown. And before that, I was worked on campaigns. And I'll tell you right in my, my primary, there was an, a precinct I knocked and a precinct right next to it that I wasn't able to get to. And guess what? I won the precinct precinct I knocked and uh, yeah. I believe we we really have to bring in the grassroots back and I yeah. think the move to amend the constitution is going to have to be a real grassroots effort and people people are feeling very frustrated but yeah I, well I think we need to be more we have to take more citizen responsibility and be back to be more involved it I'm just going to say it I get called out for being too too critical of people but the fact is we get lazy and we have to take part in this if we want anything to change. And I think we get to go have more fun. Sergey's giving me the look of. Okay, I am shut up giving now you the look. <laughs> hey, well, we're gonna we're gonna welcome our our <laughs> next uh, special guest. I know, uh, representative Surprise. from uh, the forty third, Brady Walkinshaw. Brady, can you hear us? I can hear you all pretty well. You're a little faint, but I, I've got a, a pretty clear connection. Oh, dude. But we're just glad you're here. I mean, first of all, thank you for taking time. We have been having a great chat with your friend here, Marcus Riccilli, um, in the seat. So he's been telling us lots of bad stories about you. Totally. And then now we went through the whole thing, and I, it's Riccelli. It's Riccelli. There we go. Riccelli. And, and uh, Brady, I got to tell you, um, I, uh, I am going to call you out right now, though. I mean— Senator Marco Elias came and enjoyed Pride in Spokane with me, but you weren't there this uh, this year. So I'm 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 hurt. I'm personally hurt, buddy. <laughs> well, there there is a chance for redemption there. I am looking forward to making it over to Spokane Pride. Good. Um, good. See, what, you know what? What, I, what I next day will get out there. I'm telling you, the next day you get out here better be before them because we also want to see you in studio, sir. So. You have two obligations now, pride and meet the boys in the studio. You have to. You have to. <laughs> I'm having a good it time, a so pleasure. you're well, missing I out right now. I I'll pay for your plane you ticket. Here in Seattle, so. we lo- yeah, we love it out there in Seattle, but you know, we're Spokane Pride right now. Hey, Brady, we want to start, Sergey, I want to start by, we met you a few business trips ago when we, we took did. a little business mm-hmm. trip to Seattle. And what was funny is we met you at a business mixer and everything was great. And someone tells us, you have to come over here and meet Representative Brady Walkinshaw. We're talking about the radio show. First thing you say to us is, I've got a show for you. I want you to call my friend Marcus Riccelli. And I want you to start because you guys have a friendship history that's kind of fun, right? That's right. Well, that was right. a, that was a big silence, bud. I know. I'm, I'm like, crushed. I'm, no, no, there's no, no, there, so there better not be a time delay. I'm I'm crushed right now. Here's here's what's exciting. So you know, Marcus and I, spent, along with another colleague of ours, Representative Joe Fitzgibbon, we spent the session, which we initially thought would just be 
105 days, which is the standard length, living together down in Olympia. Um, and we, we shared a we shared a great house together, and my partner, Micah, mm-hmm. who's a marine biologist, also lived along with us. So it was the four of us in this house in Olympia during the legislative session. All I have to say is I was thinking it's like the updated version of The Odd Couple. We need to film it, sell it to ABC, and make millions. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i got to tell you, I'm the most boring, though, because... <laughs> Again, I'm 38, you know. I'm, I, but these guys, these guys keep me young, so they're See, they're a lot of fun to live with. So. so, talk to us about. We want to take that angle. Talk to us about uh, politics making for roommates. You get to take work home with you. Uh, obviously, politicians are known as are some radio hosts to um, talk a lot of politics, even when they're not at work. Talk to me about living in that environment, and especially driving your roommates insane or your, you know, your partner. So here's here's how here's how it would here's kind of a typical day in the life is we would spend the day in the legislature working on our bills, working on our policy, and then sometime around six or seven after we went out to dinner, um, we'd make our way home, and then around eight o'clock we would all flop down on this on these three green sofas that were in the middle of our living room <laughs> in Olympia, and we'd you know have a beer, we'd we'd sit down, we'd talk about the day, and. A lot of the, a lot of the, you know, ideas, a lot of our values, a lot of the challenges we were facing in the legislature, you know, it was a great area to kind of hash them out in this open space um, while the three of us were there at night. On, and I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, um, three green sofas. I question style. Just, just gonna. No, say. it was a, it was a very, very chic uh, living room we had. Oh, our, yeah, yeah, right. It a man cave. Sounds like sure. it. Yeah. Sure. No, it was, it was great though. Brady's, Brady's right. Um, we you know we'd have time to kind of. One, it's really hard to unwind. You're in this pressure cooker. Sure. One of the interesting things, uh, Brady, we were talking a little bit was campaign finance, and one of the things that happened in Olympia is they uh, regulated lobbyist meals, and and so previously. Um, you know, you'd get a lot of opportunities and invitations to go out and have dinner with various lobbyists and all this thing and, and not shut down, which I think is probably, you know, a good thing. But so instead of doing those types of things in the evenings, our activities, we ended up just, uh, I think it was much more productive. We ended up in our, our living room and, uh, I got to tell you, uh, Representative Fitzgibbon, uh, and, uh, Representative Walkinshaw are two of the most talented folks in the legislature and just stars. And so, you know, we, uh, shared ideas. It's also interesting for me. I mean, I know what it's like out be- being out here, and um, you know this is the one blue district east of the Cascades. And, yeah, um, right. But you know it's interesting to hear too. I get updated on King County politics, and and uh, you know I'm I'm kind of a political animal, so it's interesting to hear they would talk a lot about what's going on uh, on the, the the various campaigns and and ballot initiatives and things over there, and I would inform them about what's going out here, and because um, also too, you know we are one Washington. I need to make sure that our um, our uh, Democratic colleagues on the other side realized, you know, it's not just cut the, this side of the state off. And I'm, I'm very loud about it. And those guys heard quite a bit about Spokane, which um, sometimes probably ad nauseum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, that's a, a good point you make. And I wanted to bring that up. Actually, Sergey and I, before the show today, we're talking about that politics in Washington can sometimes be, I mean, even between one whole party, whether they're all Republican or one Democratic, very much seen as two separate animals. Um, what was that like when you first started living together? What was that conversation? Did it ever, was it ever one side, the other side, or, or what was that conversation like? Well, you know, it's really good for perspective because when you go in, the legislature is, well, certainly unlike the other job I've ever had. I've been 
at it now for for just finishing up my second session. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those jobs where relationships and trust and being able to have a space where you have a pretty open conversation about something uh, is really what what gets things going. And if you're able to sit down at night and have chats about you know what's going on on the east side of the mountains, getting perspective from excellent representatives like Marcus Ricelli and, and hearing what it is that, that Spokane is dealing with and how we think about what how that compares to issues that Seattle is confronting. How you know, I actually grew up in a little farming town up on the up on the Canadian border, Sumap, which is up in Whatcom oh. County. And the state's a pretty diverse place and I've never gotten a chance to work with such a diverse group of people um, who are coming from so many different parts of the state. Uh, and and bringing these different perspectives about what they'd like our state to look like, what the challenges are, uh, and many times what the opportunities are. Does this happen a lot? This so obviously we're not representatives or senators yet. Um, <laughs> are you running against me? <laughs> right, I know. Oh, man, I'm gonna gear up. Come on now. <laughs> so is there? Is that normal? Like, how does this roommate thing work? How did that even happen? Well, first and foremost, for me, I mean, it is an awesome job. I'm so honored to. I mean, I was born and raised here. Sure. I, I left for a yeah. while, came back. This is my community. You know, my kids are growing up here. I want them to have all the opportunities that we had and more. But first and foremost, you know, it pays $42,906 a year, right? So the basics are, yeah, you don't want to be, you know, if you can find some folks to live with and, and, and spread yeah. some costs because it, it's expensive, right? And, and uh, you know, as we go in these long legislative sessions, uh, folks are like, yeah, I think a lot of folks think we get paid what U.S. Congress people get paid right. and whatnot, which we don't. And so one of it's just, I mean, it's a great opportunity, but it's also just economical. You find some people that you can uh, uh, share costs with, and it's helpful. So I know that's not the, the sexiest thing to say, but right, right, well, yeah, some yeah. of it's just economics, right? We loved uh, being able to— There to, was uh, a bulletin board right. in some laundromat somewhere. Yeah, right. You just yeah. Pick no. Paul Brady. Yeah, no, but, but, you know, it, it's true. You know, uh, <laughs> Joe and I had lived together last year, and um, uh, Brady and Micah were living on a boat, which was really cool, but I think it was kind of small the first year there, so, so we had some more space. But for me, um, you know— it wasn't just economics. These guys are great guys, and yep. um, we, I learn a lot from them. I hope they glean some things from me, and um, that you know, they're going to be leaders in this state. And it's it's great. It's great information exchange, and it's just an extension yeah. of fun. Yeah. Some of it too is we're all political nerds, right? And so it's that whole thing you asked about our partners, whether it yeah. be Brady's partner Micah, mm-hmm. uh, my wife Amanda. You know, they sacrifice quite a bit too, and also sometimes they just don't want to hear. You know, when we right. bring home the bring home the work, sure. right? So it's sure, nice yeah, that yeah. you know it's like it's like super <laughs> yeah. nerd it's like super nerd st- uh, style when we get uh, around the couch and just start going wonky on issues and whatnot. <laughs> sure, and I think and, that you know. We, go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead, sir. I was just going to say that, you know, we also all worked on different areas. So Marcus has been doing a ton of work around health care in our state. Mm-hmm. Uh, our other roommate, Representative Joe Fitzgibbon, has been leading a lot of the work around our environment and thinking about how we address climate change in the state. And a lot of my work has been around our, our safety net, thinking about early learning and human services, uh, thinking about also criminal justice issues. And it's, it's, there's a lot of cross-pollination that happens because, as we're all, as you sit there at night, as you talk things over, as you start to speak about common challenges and, you know, why one bill got hung up with this legislator here or how you resolve the dispute on that, or you, you, you make progress often by combining forces and, and building packs of, of folks who have common views about specific pieces of legislation and, you know, more broadly around where we hope a lot of our state goes in the future. Um, right. And yeah. 
and tackling some of that stuff is what 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 has struck me and what struck me this year, tackling some of those issues around let's take climate change, tackling an issue like climate change, um, it, it requires a lot of a lot of collaboration, a lot of teamwork, a lot of conversations that, that happen in building trusting relationships amongst legislators. Uh and then thinking about, you know, how you work with partners, with allies, with other groups that share common values to move something like that forward. And what I really appreciated is that informality of, mm-hmm. of just having those evenings where you, you sit down, you put on sweatpants, you have a glass of wine, and you, you're able to move through. I already told them it was boxed wine, yeah. though. They're really disappointed in you. I, I, I told them it was boxed wine, uh, he, Brady. Yep. He, he called you yeah. out on the boxed wine, and <laughs> I cried. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. It's but true. they haven't heard yet that I'm a bad beer drinker, but I think I just outed myself there. So. <laughs> this is what I think is interesting. I think we should require all, especially first term, uh, people in the state to live together in some... Like, roommates, They, they yeah. pair you up, they put four of you, because I find that, hearing that atmosphere, I feel like we end up learning more, you know? It's a relationships. It's still sure. all about relationships, and it's not just about relationships within our own party too a lot of it is and i think uh you know brady's very successful at i'm i think i do a pretty good job and joe does as well you know mm-hmm. reaching out going across the aisle but you have to it takes time you can't just walk in there and fabricate them right so you find out the things that you are interested in you are able to and what i think is one of the sad things down there is sometimes people disagree and they shut down forever mm-hmm. But one of the great things is that you can disagree with people down there whether it be your own party or on the other side of the aisle and literally the next bill will be up and you'll have worked with them. And as long as you can um, put those kind of in silos to make sure you're doing what's right, you can have a good debate and, and a healthy discourse. But you can put that aside and then you can find some things you agree upon. It was uh, Speaker Tip O'Neill who used to say mm-hmm. – it's kind of a, a morbid thought, but he, he wished that every uh, member of the House and Senate at the federal level, their children would have some sort of affliction because then they would work together and figure out how to – to, to solve it, and um, you find out, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I think you guys tell it uh, roommates, but politics does make strange bedfellows um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but then you, you're able to, to get stuff done. And I do want to uh, call out for sure on the mental health stuff. Brady was very successful in uh, passing uh, Joel's law this year, um, which was an important piece of legislation for our state um, uh, with mental health issues and, and right. families dealing with folks who are um, uh, facing real mental health issues and um he had he worked with a lot of folks across the aisle and, and you know i was really impressed and then from my standpoint you know i was the prime sponsor of the wsu medical school and um yeah. you know i worked with senator Baumgartner, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know uh right. he, he basically right. he basically uh worked against everybody i ever worked for um <laughs> whether it be chris marr who i helped get elected in 2006 he unseated him or he ran against maria cantwell my old boss yeah. but then we came together and we did what's right for the community and and so so there's these great opportunities to work together if you can sell it. Some people do shut down, which I think is unfortunate. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think it's fascinating that both of you represent two separate sides of the states, and we kind of talked about this. But, I mean, you just got out of an extra long session here, and at the end of the day, you I mean, you passed a fairly bipartisan bill with compromises. But, I mean, it, it didn't compromise uh, the west side over the east side. Uh, at all. It was pretty proportionate. And I think that it, that's, that's definitely... Um, uh, important. So, how does that how does that work between the two of you? I mean, a, a lot of the times there's something that needs to be done over in Seattle, but then Spokane's struggling to here too. And if you have to, you know, share one, you know, one one piece of the budget, it doesn't work. It's it's the rule of seventy six. Right know, there, you, you go. Need fifty House members. You need twenty five 
uh, senators and you need a governor to agree upon stuff and yeah. then we come together and um, and and try and, and and put forward the common good and and um, you know Brady and I have a great relationship. I, I again I think he's going to be a, a a real star, uh, whether it be at, at this level or yep. at, at different levels, and uh, it's it's a great opportunity. But yeah, you have to come together, and it's the rule of seventy six. When I worked for Senator Brown, she said, you know, people would say, "What is this bill going to look like?" And it's going to, she would say, "It's going to look like what these seventy six people make it right. to be, because that's what it takes to be the, you know, make the bill." Sure, sure. Yeah, our districts, our districts are so different, and and the state's budget and what we fund in our budget mm-hmm. uh, affects us in so many different ways, and I think also reflects a lot of values. And, you know, Marcus's district is, is so different from mine. I mean, my district is it's the, center, it's the center of downtown Seattle. It's downtown. It's Capitol Hill. It's the yeah, University yeah. of Washington. It's a lot of our central Seattle neighborhoods. And the, the values in this district and I would say in particular the values of this district um, are some of the most progressive in the state. So one of the things I'm Absolutely. often thinking about is how can you, you know, how can you build compromise? How can you move move the values of this district forward when they're not necessarily, you know, in today's mainstream statewide? And how do you think about, especially issues around marriage equality and LGBT rights? This district, the, the 43rd, has this unique distinction of having been represented by someone who's been openly gay since 1987 which started back with Cal Anderson. And interestingly enough, that's the longest, that's the longest consecutive um, stretch by which any district in the, in, the, in the country, actually, any legislative district in the country, um, state legislative, had openly LGBT representation. Um, so it's just something that, that I think about a lot. It's something that, that we, when we think about how we build bridges between different communities uh, that, that look really different. Uh, but but still actually move the state forward. And one of the good things about the budget this year is that it was one of the first budgets, and we thank the fact that the economy has been growing, but it was one of the first budgets in a long time where we didn't see cuts. Um, and while I don't think that, that, that I think we're good for the next two years, I think that our budget will work for us in the next two to four years, uh, I do think we are going to come back and, and face some challenges about how we change our revenue system and, and make it fairer so that we're able to, to, to not place too much of a burden on, on middle class and working families in the state um, when we look at how we pay for our state's bills. And that was that was one of the big, that turned into one of the big, as you probably followed, one of the big debates in this legislative session is yeah. how, do we, how do we raise the funds and how do we raise the revenue to pay for the services that we really need. And I think that's a conversation happening in a lot of houses, uh, not, not just in Washington, for sure. Um, is there, and I want to just ask this specifically to you, Brady, being, so our listeners are, I call them, we're probably dual citizenship. Obviously, a lot of our listeners are LGBT. So the the middle of Seattle, the, the Capitol Hill district, district is like a dual citizenship for us. So a lot of us follow both. They want to know what's happening in our backyard. Uh, so we care. And... We're looking over there because it's it's for a lot of years has been the second home to a lot of, of LGBT right. citizens who needed a place. Is that does that add any extra because there we don't even live there and yet we're going to watch you? You know what I mean? Any extra pressure? Absolutely, I, I absolutely feel that, and I think that as you see, and I will say there there are seven now between the House and the Senate. There are seven openly LGBT legislators uh, representing you know. Districts in Tacoma and Seattle, and um, in, in University Place, Vancouver. on Kirkland on the east side, and down in Vancouver. So 
you know, it, it is a, it is now a, a, a group of us, but there are really important issues that you're probably facing out in Spokane that we're facing here in Seattle, and that comes to mind immediately is that, that 35 to 40 percent of the kids in our state who experience homelessness, and you know, every year there's about 32,000 kids in the state that experience homelessness. But 35 to 40 percent of those kids are ones who are you know questioning sexual identity, their gender identity, mm-hmm. and that we really need to be thinking as a state um, that if we're adequately going to going to try to get kids to find stable homes and stable placements and be able to prosper and graduate from high school and go on to lead you know, successful lives with opportunity, that we also you know, need to be thinking about some of the challenges that, that the LGBTQ kids are facing uh, in areas like homelessness. And that's a lot of kids. And you know, there's a center of that here in Seattle. We see a lot of service agencies working with you know, the foster care system in the state and, and others around LGBTQ youth homelessness and you know, I bet that that's the thing that is also an issue out in Spokane. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's an issue that kind of affects statewide, but especially where there's large population uh, centers. So I kind of want to stray off the politics uh, road right here. We've oh, been talking. Uh, it's hard with us. We've so been, it yeah. no, no, it's good, but we, no, no. we, we, we default there. But let's do this. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, we talk about politics every show. We, I know, right? we love that topic. But, um, I mean, you guys have some interesting stories from – your roommate sessions, uh, and, roommate and sessions. roommates. When you roommate, were you going to talk about the, the dance party first, Marcus? Or you sure, yeah, I'll do the dance party, it. the red stove party. We, Let's go. Bring it. Um, sure. I mean, look, you got to figure out ways to unwind, right? I mean, it is a pressure yeah. cooker. You are just. I mean, it's a grind. We we enjoy it. Trust me, we live sure. for it. We live for these. You know, we are in fifteen minute meetings back to back all day. We work fourteen hour, sixteen hour days. We're on the floor voting on bills. We're meeting with people, um, especially for me. You know, people coming over from Eastern Washington. Yeah, make sure you make yeah. time to. But at the end of the day, you also gotta. You know, you try and keep your your mental health. Uh, uh, you try and keep your sanity basically. And one of the ways of unwinding is you know you just gotta have some fun. And, and we've got some really great people in the legislature. And I just happen to to roommate with two really special people. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah, we. Uh, you know, again, uh, I got the baby face. Um, these are the young kids that I'm living with, uh, um, wise beyond their age. But, and actually the funny thing is Joe is one of the youngest members in the legislature, but he's also been in there, you know, longer than Brady and I. Um, but, it, you know, so I crack out the 80s and, uh, you know, some of those, uh, some of those, you know, my iPod, it, it, it's very diverse, but it definitely uh, shifts towards the 80s. And after sure, yeah. a, a drink or two, <laughs> I'm ready to roll on some good stuff. And and they, I don't know if they enjoyed it or they were just, uh, you know, helping me uh, feel good about myself. But there was definitely, you know, the, the, the dance party that occurred. Um, and, uh, you know, when you're 6'4", and uh, you don't have a lot of coordination. You just let it go, and, and I did yeah. that. So it might have been just entertaining for them too. But but we all got into it, and uh, you know we had some other special events too. We had another uh, representative, June Robinson, who um, just a fantastic person. And uh, but we had this really unique, very old red stove, and so she loves to cook. And we had this red stove party, and and we did a lot of this stuff. We we were a place for folks gathering a lot of times, which was special. And, and let us. And it's a, one of the one of the things that maybe Representative Vercelli did leave out was that that during that during that dance party, we I probably heard more Bon Jovi than I've heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Unequivocal. To, this might mean to harken back to some Bon Jovi memories. Right. No. This, this might. Uh, not mean anything to you, but I was telling these guys my night consisted last night of Jones Radiator followed by uh, karaoke at the Peking North. So, um, and I think Brady did witness. Uh, we rarely, but 
occasionally go out to some karaoke. So, and and I, you know, if you want to throw me a bone here, I'm pretty sure that um, you were uh, impressed with my diversity for going from Rex and oh, effects no, I mean, it, to it, heart. It's a compliment there. You're you're impressive. You're impressive at karaoke. Uh, <laughs> so, now, how I did that, that? Now, how did you perform at this dance party, though? I mean, he is. You've been very transparent. He apparently shouldn't dance. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I have, I have some. Uh, my mother, my mother is Cuban. She, nice. she, she immigrated here from Cuba. And I had a lot of music, Latin music, in my home growing up. So I like to think that I, I have some kind of Cuban salsa uh, abilities <laughs> that are left in me. But it does come out occasionally. They made a, they, they made a brief debut during the dance party. Oh, there you nice. go. You salsa yeah. dance the whole thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the, the judges' comments in facial expressions right here yes. as we're saying it. <laughs> Marcus isn't so sure about that. Uh, you know, you can do better. You know, we we is, can work on it. It is really important. These, those, <laughs> those, this, working and serving in the legislature is really like unlike any other, you know, any other experience that you kind of have at, at, at our age or at this age where you spend so much kind of focused and intense uh, an emotional yeah. thing together, and it, you start to bridge between you know the professional and the personal, and and you feel one another's struggles, and you know every night because you know Marcus and is one of those legislators who have to his family stays in Spokane while he's in while he's in Olympia, so he you know every night would would steal away and and spend time on Skype, and we'd hear about his kids, and. It, it's just a really you start to get to know one another really closely as you as you also think and talk about values that you have for a state and different fights that we're fighting for. I feel like first of all, this is the greatest like ad campaign for if you ever want to get in politics because it sounds way more fun than just watching the the uh, the campaign videos. I'll tell you that. Well, I'll tell you what um, if. I do what you're not supposed to do, though. If you ever want to not have fun, you just start reading the comments uh, in a spokesman oh, article. There you below. Go. But yeah. I do that. That's it's. But you know, you can't yeah. please everybody. But it's no. it is an amazing job. You are taking. You know, you're trying to represent the values of your community members. Sure. People have so many hopes. You know, especially now as a, a father of two young children, too. It's not just my kids, but I'm looking for their friends and the yeah. community. Yeah. And and as Brady knows, uh, again, this is a very economically challenged area out here, and and so I'm fighting back there, and and sometimes. You know, uh, we do say that we want to represent one Washington as House Democrats. But, yeah, we're down to there's two House Democrats east of the Cascades. Um, So, you know, I got to be annoying and speak up quite a bit. And uh, and they listen. And and to their credit, you know, my colleagues uh, are not just, you know, trying to make this a King County uh, focused state. They're they're caring even in times when they know they're not going to get votes from my Republican colleagues out here for things that are very important for the social safety net, uh, Mm -hmm. for a lot of important um, uh, issues that that face even in their own constituencies because they feel like they can't because of their stripes the the, the sure. little letter by their name sure. and so I really they hear me though and even if they know it's not gonna be just you know the third district but it's gonna help Eastern Washington um, you know and and I will give a shout out to my seatmate Representative Ormsby who tries to stay as far off the publicity track as possible but he's the reason our our we have a heart in our state budget I mean he is somebody who is so focused on uh, the social safety net, and sure, and, uh, sure. and I think Brady can attest to that, and he's been very involved in our budgeting discussions. He he stays as far away from the limelight as he can, but he's somebody, he's, he's a workhorse that shows up every day. We're really lucky to have him 
uh, here. And, and obviously, Senator Billig, we have a great team. And what we like to say, though, is uh, Senator Billig, Reverend Ormsby, and myself, you know, we had Senator Brown for so long. This is just three dudes trying to do what one woman did for so long. Oh, you know? nice. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. good sound bite. Just yeah, there you say. go. Yeah. <laughs> Market it like yeah, that. Yeah, just to, just to build on what Marcus is saying there, you know, it, it, it's easy, you know, we're giving kind of an upbeat uh, kind of in view to, to, you know, our relationships and how, how you know, we, we manage the session personally. Mm-hmm. But and, and in many ways, we came out, there are many good things that did come out of the session this year. But there, we, you know, we passed the budget, we passed the transportation package, a lot of, a lot of good things to move the state forward. But it was a frustrating session. Right? I, it was a frustrating session for a number of reasons, and two of the main ones was were that, that there was a lot of energy, there was a lot of hope, uh, and there was a lot of support around the state to try to do more about about climate and how that will affect future generations. Right. Yeah. We weren't able to make the progress that we hoped to, and that's something that we're going to come back to the back to the block for and, and fight for. Yeah. And I would other, also say revenue too, with capital gains. Um, right, and the with, other is revenue, and thinking about how we, how we have a you know a system in our state to raise money. You've probably heard it before, but you know we have one of the most we have the most unfair, yep. progressive yeah. way of raising revenue in the state of any state in the country, and all that means is that the burden is being placed more and more on on middle and low income families, and the in the long term we were able to. To make do this year, because as you know, I mean, the, our economy in many part ways is growing. But Washington is actually one of the states in the country where we've actually also been seeing an increase in poverty. So it, there's a lot, there's a lot to you know, be celebrate and feel feel good about this year. But I think there's a lot of work that remains yet to be done. Yeah, and I think it's important too. I, I'm not sure um, if your listeners are aware, but two of the poorest census tracts in the state are right here in the third district, up in the northeast side, and so. These yeah. these these issues, and I know we were trying to shift, but you see what oh, you no, got when yeah, you get two yeah, paws, exactly. get two paws on the line, <laughs> and they're, that they, way they, they're, they they roll back. Um, but yeah. but but Brady's white, you know, it was frustrating. It was long. Uh, it was a grind. But I will say, we invested over one point three billion dollars in K twelve public education. We're we're phasing in uh, all day kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. We made significant uh, significant uh, investments in early learning. One of the best ways that we can um, close the opportunity mm-hmm. gap. Uh, we are making sure that uh, college students at public universities are going to five percent tuition cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, we invested over a hundred million dollars in mental health, so it, it, we did a lot. But yet we wanted to do more, and um, you know, but in divided government, you got to compromise. And uh, in the end of the day, we certainly didn't want to shut down government, uh, and so we, we we came to the table. I think our frustration is that we didn't do it, you know, sooner. I think we sure, should have sure. these discussions in January and February, but they always seem to start towards the end of session, which is <laughs> yeah. frustrating. Well, we I definitely uh, thank you from the citizens part of not shutting down the government. That was yeah, that was the <laughs> Step best one. Thing ever. There you go. One of the things the things I have to say what, that I think is great about this interview is seeing you guys both mentioned relationships. That's really what politics should be about. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear the ideas. We talk to a lot of politicians and and lot that we enjoy and a lot that are very much politicians. And um, it's nice to hear I think everybody Everybody, especially in the political world, should have to have these where it's about the whole reason you started, and it's less about all of the other reasons that become more and more uh, available as you stay on the Hill. Um, this, it's nice to see the discourse on these ideas that are passionate for both of you. Right, and I think we can, be, we can be more pure, and we can do that if we get back to what I'm really passionate about, and that is um, making sure that we're 
uh, taking money out of elections and making sure that the average citizens uh, get their voice heard. And I think big money is um, controlling way too much. Hallelujah. There it is. Big money. <laughs> you said it. That's the word. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a trigger right here. That's phrase yeah. on this show. Term <laughs> limits, big money. Yes. Yeah, there well, you, I, you know what? I, I will challenge you, though, on term limits, though, because if you have an acti- active citizenry, I think term mm-hmm. limits are people saying, that's ah, too – like. You're you're done. We're not right. going to vote you out. I, right. I think artificially. So I, I would challenge that on term limits, and I would say I actually think, you know, uh, we tried that um, at Congress, and you know, I think you just vote people out. Um, sure. I, I think that's the best. way. But you eat. also are assuming an active citizen, you know, Informed. doing their part yeah. to know, be an educated voter, and the and the numbers show how many times. Name recognition. We have the to do incumbent. something to educate. Yeah, yeah. Their, their number one voting reason is of name recognition, which is like, what is wrong with you? That's the laziest voting you could do. Yeah. So I still feel yeah. like, wait, we're we're there has to be some well, work on both sides. And I'll just say, I say term limits is such a big topic here, not because it's we want term limits or don't want. It's because we want this conversation. Right. Yes, big no, money and, and term this. limits is yeah. about the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And w- how do we fix? And honestly, this, maybe you know, problem. it is all of these yeah. uh, reforms and all of these things. Yeah. But it's more than just one area. Term limits yeah. alone wouldn't fix it. Oh no! You know, no. Yeah. fixing the voters wouldn't fix it. So it, it's a. I like to say we put a band aid on you know a sucking head wound most of the time because <laughs> we're not dealing with what's really going on. Sure, and, and you know, I I think um, naively I came in the legislature and I thought we needed to go straight at. Um, mandating civics in, oh, sure. in schools oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and another one was financial education financial literacy i think it's really important mm-hmm. we have a lot of folks who are taking on increasing debt loads whether it be student loans and oh yeah credit cards oh yeah and i learned you know we have so many mandates on our schools so i'm working on that but i, I keep being drawn back and i know there's a number of other folks who are thinking like what is the civic life and we need to i think we need to bring it back to the classrooms and make sure people are informed uh, and, and know how government works. I mean, there's a huge gap. I think people know a lot more about what goes on at the city level because sure. you got public safety, you got if I flush right. a toilet, right. trash, right. water right. Uh, at the federal level because it's on the national stage. But state government actually affects folks so much, um, and, and, and they really, um, you know, I think it's our task to really inform folks uh, about what's going yeah. on. So. Yeah. All I'm I have right to say you. is I could – okay, so basically what needs to happen is when the outspoken boys head over to Seattle area again, Marcus has to come, and the four of us need to just go have that beer in politics time. For that's sure. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, but see, that's, well, see, we, we can't just – we can't throw it out to the west side. I think Brady needs to come here and have hey, a there, beer. Hey, there. I think that'd be much easier. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, three yeah. of us to him. That's, that's very Seattle-centric, hey, right? Yeah. So Brady, Brady will come out here. Quality 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 You're chopping them out, but I'm still bearing with you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just, I was basically saying, we're not coming over to see you. You're coming over here, buddy. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to come over. Yeah, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited for my, I haven't been to Spokane in a long time. Dust off the passport because yeah. we, we have cold beer waiting <laughs> and just lots of talking. Boxed wine. And boxed wine. <laughs> we do have that. I'll bring, I'll bring, I'll bring some boxed wine. Yeah, that... uh, I did want to chime in though. I, 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 I agree with um, what, what Marcus was just saying about, about, about term limits and about, influence of money in politics if there's one thing i hear you know more than anything is is just this frustration around the influence of money in politics and trying to figure out where you where you stem that rising tide uh and for one thing you know there's there's some hope that maybe our supreme court out in the future will overturn citizens united but in the short term i think just efforts that we have at local levels to to try to regulate um public campaign financing and thinking about ways that that we can put more power with the people. Uh, It's really important. I think that, and it's a conversation that needs to be had more and more and more. 
Uh, citizens need to get Absolutely. involved. And, and I wanted to make sure, uh, so I have Brady on the line, and I'm here today. I want to make sure, too, that um, uh, as we move into some other issues, that uh, that uh, I know this is an audience uh, you know, I want to make sure they know they have an ally here, a strong ally um, in the third district, and I hope folks will contact me. And one of the benefits I have is I work with really great um, openly gay legislators that are um, uh, on the forefront of issues. I mean, Washington's been very progressive. Oh yeah, and, uh, massively. And, but but you know, here in the third district. It, in in Spokane, I think you know we have our little uh, little island here, and we need to make sure that folks are educated and, and informed and, and spread that out. So it's not just a, a you know what's great about Brady and the work he does. I mean, but it's coming straight out of Capitol Hill. I mean, I think we have some very progressive values, and I like to shine the light on that too. I mean, we have our challenges here. We're not the most diverse place right. in the state right. by far, um, but uh, but uh, make sure that people know too that this is a welcoming community, and um, right. and that too that you're listening. You have an ally in the legislator. I hope. Uh, they they feel like it's not that they have to turn to Seattle legislators or whatnot that they can come right here and, and contact me. Love it. Hey, he's he's even lived with gay guys, so exactly. <laughs> it's all good. And you all have a cell phone number if we could hear that again. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Five zero nine eight seven nine seven eight zero five, or you can email me. Uh, check out you know uh, my website and issues. I think uh, they're up there in Brady's as well with. Yep. Uh, uh, you guys' website. Yes. We and have. Mrs. Riccielli, please do not blame the boys. We had nothing to do with that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we, She'll be okay. Uh, and, and I didn't get the home phone out, so I'm okay. Testimony from out in Seattle to the, viewer, to the listeners out in Spokane. They are all served exceptionally well by, by Representative Riccielli. Thanks, Brad. You don't get many more people who are more dedicated and passionate and effective at bringing people together and, and moving things along. So he's, you guys, if I learned, if I learned one thing while well, as being roommates, just how well folks come to a strong. That's amazing. Hey, we want to say a that. great big thank you to both uh, Representative Walkinshaw and Representative Richelli. First of all, it's been the most fun political interview I've ever I, done. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it some more. And you I know, think I'm, we're going to start a segment go. called Political Party. Sure. Yeah, there you go. that's what's going to happen. <laughs> political Party. Uh, I, right here. Hey, and uh, we'll make it interesting. You know, I have good relationships with legislators on their side. I will, I'll sit side by side some of my Republican colleagues. You bring us in here and hey, we'll, we'll make yeah, that happen. And uh, We are in. It's a done deal. You heard it here first. The outspoken boys are going to get way too annoying. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you both so much for taking time, uh, uh, Representative Walkinshaw. Thank you for taking the time to call in today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Brady. Good. Yeah, now we are going to take a quick break. Uh, what's are, on the Oh, it's a song. Music? You know, we talked about Jack Mosey. It's another song yeah, by coming. Mr. Jack. So it's going to be Stardust. You are back with KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this has been a two-hour installment of Outspoken. And a fun installment. Oh, First what, of all, that second hour. I, he's talking about political nerds. Welcome to our world. I know. <laughs> yeah. We love talking it's, about it. And I, I just, he was so much fun. They are they are awesome. Right. And they're very candid. And I love that. And I love that they talked are. about basically... Our representatives are real people who are going to need to unwind. Did you and know that? Yeah. I it's know, kinda, right? I, I like that viewpoint of it, the fact that they have to come in, unwind, and get done. Anyways, great two hours, police and politics right. really is what happened. And I just want to read a listener comment of Do the it. moment. Uh, enjoying a good cigar. Guess who that is? And listening to the show today. Great work, great discussion, and cheers to the boys of Outspoken. That's because 
we deliver entertainment uh, as well as yes, your politics. Yes, we do. And well a thank politics. you, thank you, listener. Right. right. We are wrapping it up. Um, but join us next week. We are going to be talking to a great, great author over yeah. on the west side of the state. Um, Anthony Greer, he wrote a book that both of us read, both of us loved. Uh, absolutely um, loved Honestly obsessed. I need the second book right no, now. It's part of right, a... It's, I need it yesterday. It's part of a series. It is. And he has two different series out. And we do uh, encourage you, before next week's show, why don't you go ahead and look up mm-hmm. Anthony Greer. You can go to anthonygreer.com or go look at what he's got on Amazon. Um, definitely a local Northwest author worth exactly. checking out. We're excited to talk to him. But... Let's continue the political amazingness with, let's talk, someone from the Republican side of the aisle talking Maureen to Maureen Walsh, Walsh who's yes. going to be in the studio, but has been an outspoken um, supporter of LGBT rights since before we had it here in Washington yeah. State, continues to uh, not play party lines in certain things. She does um, not back down. No. And so we're going to have her on and talk to her about uh, what the look what she thinks the look of the nation is now that the Supreme Court has ruled and now that there's such turmoil um, from a Republican point of view. And I think we always try to reach out to both sides. So we it's always be fun. do. So that's going to be a good one. So stay tuned for more Outspoken.